Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. for us to stay in our comfort zone. And it's easy for us to stay in what feels normal, comfortable, and maybe even average to us. What would life be like if we were actually living above average? What goals would we accomplish? What dreams would we fulfill? Join me as I talk to Jeff Crabtree, life coach, motivational speaker, and author as he talks with us about how to take our life to the next level and how we can all live above average. This is The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. So I'm here with life coach, motivational speaker, author, pastor, and consultant, Jeff Crabtree. Jeff, it's so awesome to have you here on The Spark. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Um, Now, I know that you grew up in Fort Collins. You actually went to my rival high school. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, Go Lobos. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> being a lambkin myself. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm interested in, in what first inspired you to become a life coach. Uh, well, I grew up in an athletic home. My uh, father was a college basketball player and my brother was a uh, college golfer and a uh, professional golfer and then has been a, uh, a college golf coach for over 40 years. So the whole idea of coaching uh, has been in my blood just from that athletic background and then, uh, obviously, then I wanted to help people and got into the whole uh, life coaching industry. So just for people that don't know, you know, I'm a psychotherapist. What what right. What is the difference between being a life coach and maybe a counselor or a therapist? That's a, a tremendous question because people don't really understand. And uh, the 40 years I've been working with people, pretty much uh, the modality I used for 30 years Uh, was more of the counseling mentality, which is basically, let's go back to look at the core issues and and peel the onion and what are the the traumas or the disappointments or uh, whatever the circumstances were that created maybe you to get stuck in life. And, And the life coaching paradigm and modality is completely different. We really don't look back we really help people figure out where they're going. Most people couldn't tell you really where they want to end up. So if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to get there? So in the life coaching uh, paradigm, what we do is we help people really design where they're going, how to get there, and then we help them step by step, you know, just take that journey. So do you deal with things such as like limiting beliefs? Like if somebody says to you, you know, yeah, I can see where I want to go, but I keep getting stuck because of this past stuff. Right. Uh, obviously, because I had 30 years working kind of in the field of, of uh, counseling, I can kind of uh, dabble back and forth. And so I might identify it, but I won't really try to discover that that much. What I'll do is try to give them some ideas or some practical steps or some impetus to move forward beyond that. So yeah, I'll end up identify it, but we won't spend a lot of time there. Well, and that's a lot about what your book is about. You have a new book, Living Above Average. And it's to help people take those next steps, right? Absolutely. Yeah, the whole thing was, I I think it's easy as a human being, uh, even especially the longer we live in life, we can get stuck, I say, in seven key areas of life, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, and occupationally. And so people get stuck. And when they get stuck, they just live an average life. And so we're trying to help people uh, catch a bigger picture and move forward. 
So is that what you help them define? You look at those seven different areas. Say that you put that on a pie chart and you're like, which slice of this pie isn't working for you or which pie, you know, piece are you stuck in? Exactly. You know, everybody's different. So every starting point is different. All the questions are different. But yeah, you know, a lot of people look at certain areas of their life and they're doing pretty well. So they convince themselves, hey, things are okay. But when they evaluate in more a holistic way, then they can see one or two or three areas where they're not doing as well. And it's at that point that they're really stuck. And so usually the negative outweighs the positive. So we want to take a holistic approach. Uh, but again, some people don't want that modality. I don't even go to that particular thing. I'll just start with where they're at. And again, how do we figure out where you want to end up? Which again, most people cannot clarify that tell you in 30 seconds or paint the picture. And so if you really don't know where you're going, it's going to be very difficult for you to get there. Did you always know that this is where you were going when you look back, you know, 40 years ago? What, what, I, I guess I'm curious what brought you to this point. Yeah, that's, an, that's a little interesting story. I was a pretty wild uh, young man, uh, drinking drug, sex, rock and roll. It was the mid 70s and um, began to find that some of the dreams and hopes that I had uh, didn't get fulfilled. And so it kind of just drove me into more of a, a darker place and, uh, and living an average life. Uh, and then for me, I came to a place of hearing about uh, the Christian faith. And so during that time, then I said, well, I've tried everything else. And, you know, Jesus, I've used your name on the athletic court many, many times. Though I don't think I really know you or maybe that wasn't appropriate. And so I, I just have always been a people person. And so when I found something that brought hope and joy and purpose and meaning for life, then that's when I entered the, um, obviously the, uh, the ministry and then helping people for the last 40 years. And then 12 years ago is when I started my life coaching business. Well, and I know from, from reading some of your bio, you also are the founder and pastor of Connections Church. Uh, that's correct. Here in Fort Collins. Yeah. Tell me about that journey. Uh, well, I've kind of, I've started three different churches. And so uh, I'm kind of this entrepreneur. Uh, I love to get things started. I love to kind of uh, get momentum going, but then I got to go start something else. Maybe, maybe they call that ADD in this uh, particular culture. Uh, but I'd started another church in Fort Collins. Uh, years ago. And then I started, uh, uh, I let that go. And I started a ministry to pastor pastors around the nation. Very difficult work that they're in and they just need support. Who pastors the pastor? And I use my life coaching, who coaches the coach? Usually nobody. And uh, so I started uh, a ministry there. So I got away from the local church for a particular time. And then um, in uh, 2013, I want to get back in, at least on a part-time situation, to be able to help people. So I started Connections Church in Fort Collins. It sounds like you too, you've continued to push yourself to live above average and, and continue to cultivate and go towards your own dreams. You know, I, it's cur I'm curious when you talk about this switch, you know, when when you found Christianity, how old were you? Uh, I was 18 years old at that time. And so was it a total life switch right oh, away or gosh. what? Tell no, me what yeah, happened. it was the, one of those instant things, uh, uh, a radical change of my life and my lifestyle. Again, I found hope and purpose that I had never had before. And uh, that combined with my desire to help people, I just entered into ministry real quickly and um, so I've done that for quite a long time now. So, and I think that's such an imperative thing. How do we help instill hope in other people? 
Oh, gosh, that's a great question. We live in a really challenging culture uh, and everybody gets up and they're fighting the battles. And uh, so, again, for me, it's if you don't know really where you're going, you wake up every day and you just fall prey to survival and maintenance and just to get by and what I call average. And so um, it's really not satisfying. It's not really fulfilling. I think every human being believes they were they're here on the planet uh, for a greater cause. So we have to help them again, figure out what's the purpose, where are they going? And then that in it, in and of itself creates a, a daily inspiration, motivation, hope, not that there's not challenges, but, but then they can see where they're going. Well, I think that's something important that you just brought up. Cause I've heard that a lot before that, that people think, well, okay, once I, you know, I can define my goals. I start living a more purpose-filled life. I become more spiritual then life's going to be easy. And that's such a myth. Yeah. Life is not easy, um, but it is rewarding and, and it can be very fulfilling. And it's because here in the West, we define happiness, I think, from an external point of view rather than an internal point of view. I deal with people all the time that that um, that have maybe a very successful careers, have very wealthy portfolios, uh, either business leaders or coaches or professional athletes. Uh, but deep down inside, they're lacking contentment or, or peace or their relationships are not going well. So I think that's the big challenge is to, to kind of move beyond all the externals and let's, let's focus a little more on some of the internal things. So it's an inner journey. Oh, I think that's the most important. Yeah. Yeah. So helping them define truly what that inner journey is for them and that living above average, really, it starts inside. Boy, Stephanie, you're so exactly right. But again, that's not what they're hearing out of the media. That's not what they're seeing from their friends. That's not what they've grown up with. And so that's why, you know, as they get a little bit older um, and uh, all, some of the dreams and hopes of externals haven't been fulfilled, then they have to start looking maybe a little deeper inside. Who am I? Uh, why am I here? Where am I going? What impact do I want to make? So you're exactly right. It starts with the inside. Well, and I think, you know, just like in your own journey, and, and I can, you know, that resonates with me, you know, mm -hmm. that this sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and we're going to, you know, I lived in LA my first year of college, so <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I get it, sure. you know, I mean, definitely <laughs> live in that dream. Right. And, but the reality is, ultimately, that's not fulfilling for us. Yeah, it's short term. And, and again, we're, we're in, in it for the long haul, it's called life. And uh, so there'll be peaks and valleys. But again, we want something that's going to sustain just the, the temporary pleasures of a, a moment or two. Yeah. And I think that's key, what you just said, because it's, it's a temporary fix. Exactly. You know, those things really are the drug. You know, we can distract ourselves with whatever, but it's when we get that baseline, if you will, of happiness, this baseline of inner fulfillment that comes from this deeper work that you're talking about. Boy, I so agree with you. Excellent. So... Tell me a little bit too, um, you know, I, I do want to talk about your book, Living Above Average, and mm -hmm. it's 50 life coaching tips to help change and improve your life. And it's this book Correct. dedicated um, to help individuals move towards success and develop their full potential. So in your own definition, sure. what does it mean to live a life above average? Well, I think the impetus for the book, and again, I've been working with people for 40 years, so I have lots of experience to watch people on every uh, demographic. I, I say first and, and foremost, uh, we all have more potential than we fully recognize. And so uh, people don't know how to discover that potential. They don't know how to develop that potential. And then they don't know how to deploy that potential. Second thing is, is people uh, inadvertently, consciously, subconsciously have comfort zones. 
the, the areas that we feel comfortable with, that, that makes us feel good and, and confident. And so um, we deal with that. And, and then the third thing is we get stuck. Uh, I say we get stuck in one or more areas of those lives, spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, or occupationally. And so, if you will, we're diagnosing the problem uh, because all of those things create average. When you don't know your potential and you're not leveraging it, when you're only hiding in your comfort zone, and when you're stuck in one or more areas of your life, it equals average. And I don't believe that we're on the planet to live an average life. And so my coaching tips, I have over 1,350 coaching tips that I've developed uh, in just obviously coaching work over the last 12 years. So I feel like I can kind of go into any one-on-one -on -one setting, go into any team, whether that be corporate or go into athletic situations or families and help them identify uh, those three things. What's your potential? Uh, are you discovering it, developing it and deploying it? Are you caught in a comfort zone that you don't fully recognize that's limiting you? Or are you stuck in one or more areas of your life? And so all of my coaching tips are to help them move beyond that. So uh, I would define average as not knowing your potential or leveraging it, being uh, motivated or caught in your comfort zone or stuck in one uh, of what I call seven key areas of life. The thing I guess I'm, I'm curious about is if someone comes to you and they're like, Jeff, I have no idea what my potential is. How do you help someone discover that? Yeah, well, obviously, I, I think a lot of it has to do with those God-given interests. Uh, we all have different passions, and uh, needlepoint is not probably one of mine <laughs> uh, from background or wiring, but you get me in the arena of competition or sports or self-help or, or personal development or motivation. So I will ask a lot of questions. Uh, that's the other thing in, in the uh, coaching modal uh, modality. We don't give a lot of answers. Uh, which was hard for me because I, I'm the answer guy. Uh, I love to fill in the blank for people. And in the counseling world, they came saying, well, you give me an answer. But in the coaching world, we ask lots of questions. So obviously, hopefully I've been trained to ask the right kinds of questions uh, to bring things to the surface that then we can work with and develop. So really helping someone define, it sounds like part of it is what lights them up. Absolutely. Why do you get up early in the morning? Why do you stay up late at night? And sometimes people do that because either they were uh, felt like they had to, you know, a job or uh, parental pressure or societal uh, uh, thoughts. But yeah, it's, it's what's really deep down inside that inner work that we talked about. When they start, you know, do, do you work with people that are basically, we, we talk about the, you know, the walking well. Sure. Um, do you ever have people that come to you though they're like in a pit of despair and they're saying, I need your help? Or is it more like, okay, you know, I, I, sure. I'm ready to make the shift. I, what, what do you find? Yeah, kind of, what's the demographic yeah. or who is the clientele that comes to me? Exactly. Well, I'd say in the first 30 years or so as a pastor, uh, obviously people come to me individually or with marriage crisis or, uh, family issues. And more of those people were, I'm not doing well life's not going well. I'm in the pit. I'm depressed. I, I suffer social anxiety disorders. I mean, the, the list is endless. When I started my coaching work, it really became a little different clientele. 
it wasn't people coming to me, so many uh, issues that they have problems is that they were actually doing pretty good or doing maybe well or above average, uh, but they knew they had more potential. They knew that they could achieve more. They knew they could impact the world more. And that's, again, a lot of my coaching work has been with coaches or uh, athletes, professional athletes. And so it wasn't that they weren't doing well as they were going, hey, I can do better. And if you don't mind, I, I, because I grew up in a golfing world, I always say this. Uh, most people have heard of a guy named Tiger Woods. And uh, Tiger Woods may be one of the best golfers ever to live. And so why would Tiger Woods, who's got probably the top game, knows more about the golf swing than most anybody, why would he pay big money for a swing coach? And it's the answer is very easy. Is One, he couldn't reach his full potential without another set of eyes. And he couldn't stay at that level of his full potential without another set of eyes. So anyway, that's what my work is doing now is not so much with people. And, and I love people. I had a guy this week came and said, I'm in the pit of despair. I'm a lost soul. I don't know where I'm going. Will you help me? So obviously I'll work with anybody. But when I made the shift to life coaching, it's dealing more with people who are really actually doing okay, maybe even above average, but they want to leverage. They can, they can go to a new level. Can you share with us an example of either a team, an individual, some, someone that you've worked with that you saw them, you know, accomplish this and their work with you and, and watch them go to this next level? Yeah, great question. I'm, there's so many of them. So I'm just kind of thinking in my mind, I had a, a, a friend that uh, uh, was a professional athlete and uh, was very successful uh, in his younger journey. Uh, he had some injuries. Uh, he got into like every athlete, you get into that place where you're uh, in a not in not in the zone, but in a bad zone, and then you start thinking about it too much. And the more you start thinking uh, about what you're not doing well or how it's not going right, and so he hit a really a plateau in his career and did not know whether or not he was even going to be able to continue. And so we actually then let's reevaluate not so much where you were or where you're at, but how can you get back to uh, a high performance level. And it was in the way that he was thinking, letting go of some of the past, the feelings of, of failure or plateau or competing against anybody else. In the competitive world, you're always looking at competing against other people, but ultimately it's you competing against yourself. And if you don't recognize that, um, then you're that's a missing element. So anyway, then we helped him kind of brainstorm career um, and some of the ways to think and some practical steps, and, uh, and he made some really good progress and back after it again. With all the different tips, one of the ones that stood out to me was, it was tip number 44, okay. where you said, dream really big. And you know this, this resonates with me a lot. Um, one of the things that I've shared before is that I used to work for 10 years in the school district in Cheyenne, and I worked for a little Title I school that had 73% poverty. Wow. And we dealt with a lot of domestic violence, drugs, just a lot of abuse. Right. And so a lot of these kiddos, you know, they would come to us and they already had the mindset, even by kindergarten, of literally how large they could dream. Right. And one of my first experiences, I'll never forget, I was doing a counseling circle and we were talking about, okay, what do you guys, where do you want to be? Let's talk about, you know, five years, 10 years. 
And I believe it was with a group of sixth graders. Okay. And one of the kiddos, you know, I said, I just want you to dream, you know, really, what is it that you want? So I think, you know, he sat there for a while and he said, well, when I get older, he said, I want to, I want to have my own trailer because we serviced like six trailer parks. And that was kind of his reality. And I was like, honey, I want you to dream big. I want you just to go really big. And he went, okay, double wide. Oh yeah. that's You know, and and the reality of that was that's as big as he could dream. And so I I think that's one of the things that limits us that oftentimes, you know, it's our, it's our frame of reference, if you will. It's where we come from, that we have this kind of cap over how big we can really dream. How do you how do you help others to dream really big? Yeah, well, this is just my belief system in working with people for the time that I have is that uh, people who limit their dreams usually are dealing with some sense of insecurity or inferiority because of their past that says you're not okay, uh, you've got this flaw, or maybe there was a parent or a teacher or coach said you're never going to be anything, and so those kind of voices. Uh, can stay with you for a lifetime. So that's where I kind of jump back and forth with uh, the modalities from counseling to coaching. Then I'll go explore that a little bit. Uh, How do you see yourself? Because if you don't, again, the internal work, if you don't know how you see yourself, um, you won't be able to dream really big. And again, it's very difficult. I don't really work so much with younger people anymore. I did for a period of time. But um, I think when you hit, uh, whether it be your 40s or your 50s or uh, your 60s, um, you've had enough experiences of dreaming those big dreams that maybe didn't get fulfilled that you don't even know how to do it anymore. And again, we live in a very independent culture. You dream your dreams really big. Well, I think it's about a coach, a mentor, somebody that sees you differently than you see yourself. And uh, I I think uh, dreaming really big dreams needs, you need another person or another team of people uh, to help you dream really big. But uh, I just think, uh, again, our insecurities and our inferiority stop that. And like you mentioned, it's it's the way of thinking. And I had the privilege uh, for eight years uh, no, I guess it was seven years to travel the world with the work that I was doing. And so sometimes um, that just will do it in and of yourself. If you don't, don't, you know, if you grew up in Fort Collins, let's say, or you grew up in a smaller town or you grew up in a certain area and you've never traveled anywhere, it's hard to get a bigger dream because you can't see it. Exactly. But if you, if you are on the road or, or you travel a lot and you see a bigger world, then you go, I can do that. I can interface in that. I can make impact. And then pretty soon that becomes infectious. And pretty soon, um, you know, I don't want to say forgive me, but I, I believe I'm going to impact the whole world. And, and, but, and here again, remember that, you know, a, a teacher, a coach, a parent, whenever they did that, it was like, come on, come down to reality. No, I don't want to come down to average reality. I'm here for a purpose and I want to impact the world. So dream really big. I love it. I love it. It's, it's true. You know, and again, that's kind of comes back to what we were talking about, you know, these limiting beliefs. And oftentimes, you know, they are, they've, they've been instilled by maybe, unfortunately, when we were younger, a coach or a teacher, um, you know, or maybe the music teacher, the art teacher at your school that's like, no, you know, we don't draw trees like that, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. or, you know, and, and so then we get the idea in our head, oh, I'm not an artist or right. I'm not whatever. And, and again, I even have a personal connection note. When I was in college at CSU, 
uh, I had a creative writing teacher and I got a B minus on my first, you know, uh, short story. And I was like, I can't write. Correct. And, you know, here I've just completed my first book yeah. and I'm like, yeah, sure. you know, so, really so that's one of the things that's, that's something I've had on my dream list for a long time. And, you know, it was really an awesome thing to take the veil off of that belief, if you will, lift the lid and say, you know what? I am a writer. Right. Exactly. And, and I think that's what I'm hearing that, that you're doing is helping people to lift the veil Correct. to see that no matter what this conditioning was, if you will, this, you know, this limiting belief conditioning, right. that it's not necessarily accurate. We just, we need help to see the true, clearer picture. That's so true. And I like what you just said. We need help because a person sitting in their room or in their office or out on their patio dreaming really big, they probably... Uh, can't or won't dream as big as they should, uh, again, because of the things you said. So many times I can get together with somebody and, and uh, get on a whiteboard and say, let's dream really big. And, and so I'll ask them questions and then we'll unpack that. And, and then I'll get to a point going, you know what, that's not big enough. You know, so the, I think every person needs maybe uh, another trained coach or psychotherapist or somebody to help them think really big. Um, because I don't know that we're really designed to do it only on our own. Here's something you might not know. NOCO FM is also a podcast network producing one-of-a-kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now. We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends. Remember, that's www.noco.fm. I'm Kev Cat, and I host No Cogadio, the weekly hour-long show dedicated to spotlighting musicians within the LGBTQIA community. You can listen to the show every Friday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time at NoCo FM. That's N-O-C-O dot F-M. You sure you wanna be with me? I've nothing to give. But Lauren say this love is best. Well, we're interrelational beings, number one. Oh, great and, point. Yeah, and I, and I really feel people don't like the word dependency, but we're interdependent. Great. Which is really, you know, that, that's such a healthy thing. We need each other. Exactly. And it's okay. You know, we, we also live in this society where it's like, oh, I need to be an island in and of myself, and I'm going to be independent from everyone. And, and I don't think that's necessarily the answer. I think we really need one another, and we help buoy each other up. That is so good. I just think you spot on. You hit the, the nail on the head. And again, a lot of mine, and I don't want to uh, corner myself, but a lot of it in regard to athletics. So why do professional athletes still have coaches? So when we look at the athletic world, and again, our Western culture is very infatuated with athletics and they watch teamwork, but then when they come to their own life, why don't they have a coach? Why does a professional athlete have a coach? Or all these teams have a coach, but and I think that's what's changing kind of uh, the landscape uh, in America. Really, if people don't know, life coaching now is so um, familiar that it seems like it's been around forever. It's kind of like the iPhone. 
No, it hasn't been around as long as we think it has. And uh, But the life coaching industry is really only about 20 years old. So it's still very young and very embryonic. So a lot of people are jumping on the train going, yeah, I need a coach. But it's been a hard paradigm shift because they didn't they didn't say, well, that's fine for them, but it's not. I don't really need it. And so I think this interpersonal reaction uh, relationship that you're talking about, if you really want to leverage uh, your better life, uh, you, I think you need a coach. I, I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, the, the thing I love about life coaching as well um, is because, you know, when people come to see me for therapy, there's already a stigma. I think right. still, even though we've evolved so much, and even though it's very cool, if you were in California, everybody has a therapist, you know, that's, <laughs> okay. you hear sure. it like you're sitting sure. around literally at a cafe and people are talking about <laughs> their therapist, <laughs> you know, in LA or New York, that's sure. pretty normal. But we still have this stigma. So um, the thing I love about life coaching is it lifts that a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, even though I think people still are like, oh, I can do it on my own. I'm going to pull myself up on my bootstraps. You know, I I think the the wonderful thing is that it does even more so lift that stigma to say, it's okay for me. This is a coach. There's nothing really wrong with me that we all need coaches. That is so true. And again, uh, in my work in ministry for those 30 years in counseling, uh, obviously, I would see lots of females. Uh, The female gender had no problem kind of coming and talking and processing and figuring it out. But a man uh, to come to a counselor uh, says, I'm broken, which no man wants to admit that he's broken. That's part of just kind of our wiring and I think our, our male makeup. But most people grew up around the whole world of sports or watched it or played. So a coach wasn't threatening. So as I began to then start my life coaching work and and business and then communicate that, how many men were willing then to come in and and talk and interface and and dream because it wasn't that, hey, come fix me, I'm broken. It's, hey, come help me leverage my potential and and go to the next level. So yeah, it's that coaching. And um, so that coaching word is a big word. It has a lot of stigma to you, like I said, good or bad. Yeah. And I, and I love that. And I wish that I could, you know, take some of that and just infuse it into uh, people's belief system, because I honestly right. believe, you know, if, if we really go to the heart of it, even in, in psychotherapy, none, you know, none of us are broken, truly. Mm-hmm. We, we might be wounded, Good we might point. we might feel broken open, that but but wonderful. we're but we're not broken. That is tremendous. Again, but it's educating people to hear that, see that, believe that. Exactly. And so I'm so thankful for people like you, though, because it, it's in in a way it's like the door that opens for people to start that journey. And Correct. if they do have some deeper work, or if they do have, let's say, trauma that's preventing them for you know, from living their best life, then they could come see somebody like me. Sure. But but to start with someone like you that can help them just say, okay, this is where we're at. And if they're ready to make some change and move forward. Yeah, and exactly. And I appreciate what you do and, and your field um, of psychology. Obviously, I learned a lot from that. I operate in that modality for a while. But the point being is if I'll work with somebody, if they'll come to me and I just recognize that they need some extra work, then I'll put it in a positive way and try to refer them to somebody like you. And and so it's a win-win situation. Uh, It's not about us. It's about them. How do we help them uh, fulfill their journey and their desires and dreams? So um, I I don't have any problem referring people to a psychologist or psychiatrist uh, when I realize that they probably can't move on in the coaching uh, modality until they go back a little bit. 
And it sounds like we are so in line because what both of us are in the business of is helping people to live their best lives in whatever capacity that is, in whatever way we can. Absolutely. Going back to to the tips, I I was curious just for you, because I've been reading through that book and and just enjoying it. Are there a few tips that really stand out for you or a few ideas that are like kind of essential to help people that are listening to the show and going like, well, I'm interested in taking my life to the next level. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, again, coming back to those purposes, you know, developing your potential and understanding your comfort zones and and finding out where you're stuck. Um, I think we think it's magical and we're really looking for the next latest, greatest bit of insight or information uh, to help us really find out how to move forward. If you look at my book, it's very simplistic, very simple per se. But I learned long ago in the whole sports world with coaches is that when when people start to kind of get uh, detoured and, and they don't perform as well on the athletic court or field, is that somewhere along the way, they got away from the basics or what we call the fundamentals. And so basically my book is nothing earth shattering or an insight that they've never heard before. It's putting uh, some of those tips back on the radar uh, so that they can begin to work with it. It's not that we don't know enough. It's that we don't apply enough or we don't apply it in the right way. So probably coach tip, uh, coaching, you know, obviously all I'm invested in all of them and over the 1,350 that I have. But the second one um, is basically uh, an idea of how do you define success? And I think success is one step beyond your comfort zone, uh, one step beyond what you've limited yourself. Uh, I say there's a lot of people that like to use, a, I'll use a baseball analogy. They love to be on the team, but they'll stay in the dugout. You know, for some people, success is hitting the home run. Some, uh, it's a base hit. Some is just getting up to bat. It's not fun to have a hundred mile, mile an hour fastball coming your way, but if you stay in the dugout, so And I use those seven key areas of life, spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, relational, financial, and occupational. And I say every day, try to take a step beyond where you're at and call that success. Whether or not, uh, you know, you have a better relationship, you make more money, or you get a promotion at work. If internally you are willing to say, hey, here's my comfort zone, here's my fear, here's where I'm stuck, and I'm going to take a step, even if it's a small step in the right direction, let's define that as successful. Because again, people don't see success. They're thinking too big. So, you know, we, we want to dream big, like you said, that's a, another whole coaching tip. But in this case, it's something small. Take one small step beyond average in these areas and you will be successful. And pretty soon that multiplying factor comes pretty soon. Oh, I did it. And I'll take another one. And then three months down the road or six months down the road or nine months down the road or 12 months down the road, they look back and go, I really have made lots of strides. I really have been successful in that area. So again, we talk big, big dreams. But so one of the things I really like to do is help people make small steps. And that is success. That is so important for so many people. It's difficult because just the way our brain functions to think outside of our comfort zone, which is to step into the unknown, (laughs) can be really scary. 
And so to have these small incremental steps where then it's like, oh, I just feel, and, and I love how you've defined this, that it's, you know, a small step towards where you really want to be. Excellent. Because I think some people, they do, they get blown away going, well, that's great. This big dream, fantastic, but I'm never going to get there. Right. And so this is a way actually that, that people can obtain their dreams as they start and they just make whatever that first step is. And it is, it's going to be that step into discomfort because it's not Correct. familiar. Correct. I agree with you hundred <laughs> percent. And, and, and so I guess that would be an interesting question too. What do we do to help ourselves step into that, which is uncomfortable? I think, uh, dissatisfaction, uh, unhappiness, our emotional state really says a lot to us again. Uh, but uh, again, the social stigma, I want to look okay, keeps us, but whether male, female or marriages or or athletic teams, or, or companies, or corporations, or nonprofits, uh, I think they first have to get to the place where they recognize they are unsatisfied and dissatisfied with average and being where they're at. And uh, if you don't get there, you probably are not going to make the progress. Um, I do have a, a son. My oldest son is three and a half years clean and sober. Uh, but he had to get to the point where he recognized that the way that he was living was limiting his his desires, his hopes, his dreams, and so you know the old saying is you you change because you want to or you have to, and I would like to say that it's because you want to, and again I do get those clients that come and say hey help me leverage where I'm at or where I've been to go further, but that's not usually the largest clientele. It, it's it's people who are unhappy. They're dissatisfied. They've lost a sense of vision. The first step, I think, is they have to identify they're so uh, living below their potential, or they are so tired of living in their comfort zones, or they're so tired of being stuck in life that I'm going to do whatever it takes. Well, and that's what's wonderful about that, too. It goes back to what we were talking about before, in that you know you can say stuck in that zone. And it's pretty miserable. Once you quit trying to find it outside here and, and, and internally, even though it might be facing a little fear, sure. you know, that's where you start to develop, it sounds like, that sense of satisfaction, that sense of meaning and purpose. And it's that little step by step. It doesn't have to be this big jump, but it's like deciding for today, like with your son. Okay, you know, like, you know, a day at a time. So exactly. today I'm going to be sober. Today... You know, and, and that is a step into the unknown. Absolutely. But just from that day, what you gain from taking that step. Exactly. And I always say it's kind of like trying it on. Um, and maybe you do this in your own uh, professional work as well as, hey, um, set up a meeting uh, with a life coach. Me, somebody else. Try it for two, three, four times. And if it doesn't work for you, fine. But at least try it. And, and there's not a lot of risk in that. Um, so that's a little bit of a step is, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go see somebody. And again, the social stigma, again, in the coaching world, it's not as so much that, that you're broken, but that you're trying to leverage who you are and, and uh, all that you are to make a greater impact. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, this whole outside concept, you know, Brene Brown talks a lot about how everybody's trying to look cool. Like we all want to look cool, but how cool is it? To just have a facade and that the outward, you know, self we're trying to promote is, you know, really wonderful. But inside, you know, that person might not feel cool at all. They feel, yeah, 
pretty stock. Yeah, and you find that in your work, and I do too. Again, I've worked with all kinds of people, and, and like I said, I've had the privilege to work with people who are very wealthy, and they've had a, a high profile in, in, in the culture. But behind closed doors, when they kind of strip off the mask and, and if you will, undress the reality of their life, um, it's not what uh, everybody else thinks or what they projected. But that's never success because that's always pretending. Real success is not pretending. Real success is uh, understanding really who you are, leveraging that and making the greatest impact you can. That's an important point too. It doesn't matter what the external looks like or how necessarily that's manifested to other people. Because I think this journey, it doesn't matter if, if you have all the material wealth, if you're the most successful you know, financial person or in your career, we just want to be the best that we can be as individuals. We want to show up and use whatever our God-given gifts are, like you're saying, to, to give back to the world in whatever way we can to be our best selves. It, oh, might totally not, it, it might not be somebody else's you know, above average, but it's our individual above average. That is a great point. Uh, above average is different for every person, like you just mentioned. And, uh, and so that's great. Don't try to be somebody else, which we all do. Uh, we all kind of grow up in a, in a culture, in a society, uh, whether it be in our, in our family of origin or in school or, you know, in the band or in athletics. It's always so competitive that we compare ourselves. And, you know, comparison is, it can be pretty much a destructive reality. What personal guideposts or what personal tips internally or ideas guide you most now in your own individual journey? Yeah, that, that's an excellent point. Well, I, I think part of the reason I'm not a writer, if anybody knows me, I'm Mr. Verbal. Talk, 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 talk. So uh, part of the reason for pulling these tips together is one is uh, I was finding them successful in helping people move beyond average. And they were saying, hey, uh, instead of doing it one-on-one -on -one or, or maybe in some smaller workshops, get it out there in a book form, which was difficult for me. But I'll be really honest with you is that uh, in a couple of months, I'll be turning 60. And so I was going into the 60s realm going, okay, by the time I'm 70, what do I want to have accomplished? You know, I've just spent 60 years of my life learning <laughs> and how do I leverage that and apply more? And so to be honest with you, uh, that was one to, to step beyond uh, an area that I did not feel comfortable with uh, to write a book. I didn't feel competent. And um, well, the reality is most people don't feel competent doing anything the first time. And I had a lot of friends who have written books and they said the first one is the most difficult uh, for lots of reasons. And so to be honest with you, some of it was just the whole life paradigm is uh, I need to step beyond my fear uh, of what will people think and will it make a difference? And uh, I've been in the people business long enough. I know that uh, for some people, they won't even look at it. Some will look at it and think, oh, that's really uh, embryonic or really anemic. And why in the world uh, did he write that? And I know that it the book will help and change some people. And in the two and a half months that it's been out, uh, you know, I could tell you there's probably been 25, um, which not a lot, but in two and a half months, people have written back and said, hey, this tip is really helping me. Can you share some more with me? So those two, the two that we talked about today are, I mean, again, I believe in all of them, two of the ones dream really big and step beyond kind of those small steps beyond your limit. And as I'm brainstorming too, uh, in my work with relationships a lot, apart from um, an individual or a coach, is managing expectations well. I don't think people know how to do that. First of all, I don't think they realize they have lots more expectations 
than they than they identify. So I do a lot of work with people helping that are having relational conflicts in one of marriages, whether it be marriage or with a parent or with a boss or with a child or whatever, managing expectations and then resolving conflict quickly and effectively. People just do not have the, the tools in their toolbox. They don't know how, first of all, and then they don't apply. So uh, we live in a world of conflict, don't we? You oh and I see gosh. it right now. Just turn on the, the news and we're so polarized uh, in all areas of our life. I just think if we would learn how to manage our expectations, Bill, better and then, uh, um, you know, solve conflict quickly and effectively. So maybe those three or four. Yeah, thank you. You know, I, so when you say uh, manage their expectations, is, is part of that, I mean, communicating those expectations when you say manage it? Yeah. Help yeah, me obviously that. I got a little step. I've got step or a formula for everything. That's what life coaches do too. Um, one is I said, you've got to begin to identify it. And I kind of tell people on a practical basis, take out a three by five card, put it in your pocket, your wallet or your purse. And every time you have an expectation, uh, mark it down. You don't have to write what it is. Just mark it down. Well, I can almost tell you by the time you pull out of your garage and you start driving on the road. Uh, see, it's all about you, right? It's all about you having to get to your destination quick. And when somebody gets in front of you, a pulls in front of you or going too slow or didn't turn their blinker on, you had an expectation. And so I tell people to do that. And, and the reality is before the end of the day, usually by noon, their three by five card is already full. So that's the first thing is they realize how many expectations they have from the moment they wake up to the moment they, they go to bed. Then obviously, yeah, once you understand it, then you have to communicate it. And you got to communicate it at the right, in the right way at the right time with certain individuals that you're having relationship with. Then I always say, then there's a, a negotiating period. Just because I recognize I have an expectation of you, Stephanie, or I communicate it, doesn't mean that you're all bought in. You have a right to communicate and negotiate that. And then after that, then it's then we can hold each other accountable because we know what it is. And then pretty soon we're all human and then we're not doing it very well. Okay, well, remember we talked about that and we negotiated that. Are we still at that place or do we need to renegotiate? Then you can hold each other accountable. And, and relational harmony is very scarce today. In almost every area of our life, from marriages to friendships to family to in our occupations, on athletic teams, in corporations. And so I do a lot of work trying to create harmony and unity uh, in managing expectations. Well, and the essential piece, I, I love this piece of that we have to communicate it because we automatically, I think, so many times assume our partner, whether it's in relationship or business, you know, whatever that is, can read our minds, you know, and knows what the expectation sure. is. And then we feel like they should feel obligated to meet it. Exactly. Right. So uh, it is all about me. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I think that's such an essential piece. And then, you know, again, the, the thing that you talked about with resolving conflict, I love that quickly, swiftly, that we need to address it and discuss it. And that, you know, and I think that's one of the questions is how can we come to the table in, in a place where we're kind of got our egos checked, if you will, so we can do some open-hearted connecting and communication so we can resolve whatever it is. Yeah. And I think most people think that they resolve conflict pretty effectively and well, but I, I think the result is they don't. So I came up real quickly and it's in the book, living above average of five, give each other a helping hand. And I say hand because there's five principles. One, listen, 
<laughs> that means put the remote down, put the, the, the TV down and look at each other, I and I. And again, this is not just in marriage. It, it works in corporations and businesses, nonprofits, athletic teams that I work with. So listen, then I call it here to understand, which is mo the most difficult thing is to see from behind. Look through their prism, look through their perspective, look through their worldview. And we don't do that. Again, I can turn on, the in turn on your uh, evening news and watch a couple of different news. They're not hearing each other. They're not hearing to understand. Then three, to ask questions. Did I hear you correctly when you said this? Because I like to interpret uh, what you say in my uh, verbiage, vocabulary definition. So you need to, to ask questions. Then this is the most important. I call it validation. Validate that they have a right to that perspective, even if you disagree. I call it respect. I think we're lacking respect of relationships and nobody wants to be disrespected. So if you are in a conflict and you don't listen to me, you don't try to hear to understand, you're not asking questions for clarification and you're not validating or respecting me, we're not going to get over this thing. It's going to create more problems. And then the last is after we've gone through that, I have found in my work, then the conflict almost, what were we arguing about? Why were we divided? Because the process that you were using was healing, was reconciling you much more than you thought. Now, that might not solve it all, but I say 80% of the, the problem and, and solving it quickly and effectively was the process. And it's in my book. And I, I've just seen it so long in my own life. And again, with families, marriages, teams. I absolutely agree. I mean, that, I, that's been my experience as well. And I, I think one of those essential pieces you were talking about, I think, was step two, where you're you're listening for understanding, which I call open-hearted listening. It's oh, not tremendous. It's not listening with your ears. Mm, it's listening great. with your heart. Wonderful. And and exactly right in line. You know, I just want to reemphasize the things that you said and the importance of validating each other. It doesn't mean you agree. It right. doesn't mean you accept that person's point of view as your own point of view. But you're. I love what you said. You know, looking through their eyes. And just trying to say, oh, I get it from your perspective. That makes sense. Yeah, correct. I and, agree. Yeah. And, and then moving towards, it does solve it once we start. I mean, there's so much that is solved, I guess I would want to say. I agree. As we just find this kind of neutral ground and making that, you know, like you said, clarifying, saying, okay, let me make sure that I get it. Because I'm looking at life through my lens over here, Jeff, and I'm not sure it's the same lens you're looking through. Because my lens is all my life experiences and everything that I bring to the table. So if we can, you know, come together and I can wipe off my lens a little bit and you can wipe off yours, we're, we're going to find that we can actually come to a place where we, we are able to see each other. And that is, right? That's where we can connect. Oh, tremendous. I agree with you 100%. So there, there's so many more things that, that I, I wish we had time to talk about <laughs> as, as we're running out of time here. Thank you so much for sharing all Thank these you, just important things that I really want to encourage people to check out the book. Living Above Average by Jeff Crabtree. And how, how can people contact you, Jeff? Uh, probably the best way would be uh, through uh, livingaboveaverage.com or .net and uh, email me that way. Well, thank you so much for this time. This Thanks, has just Stephanie. been really special. Thank All you, right. Jeff.
one of the important things that Jeff was talking about is the importance of overcoming our fears and just taking that first step into creating what we want to accomplish in our lives. I compare it to like problem solving, where when we have a big problem, it really helps us to overcome it if we divide it into smaller steps. And then we're able to see little by little, we can solve that problem. The same is true when we're accomplishing our dreams. It's important, like he said, to dream big, really to look at what is it that you truly want to create in your lives. And then the way that we go about that is setting up small, just daily successes as we move in the direction of our dreams. It's important that we look at the thoughts that are limiting us and not allow our circumstances to dictate those limitations for us. Being a life coach means that we start with what's going on right now and we move forward. So it's looking at what's happening in your life today and how you can take your life to that next level, whatever that level is for you. And that each one of us has our own definition of success and there's no comparing to anyone else. It's what is important to you and identifying what success means for you. We start striving towards whatever living above average is for us. We start seeing the fulfillment of our dreams. When we're taking ourselves to the next level and deciding to live above average, it does just take that first step and the willingness to step into the unknown, which isn't always comfortable. That's one of the things that Jeff talked about. Oftentimes, we have to step out of our comfort zone to step into the best future possible. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO-FM.